Hi, and welcome to the Insiders by Durham Lane, where we get perspectives from industry thought leaders about strategies that are unifying marketing and sales cycles to help accelerate growth inside your world. Welcome to the Insiders by Durham Lane, an industry podcast that connects the worlds of marketing and sales, one guest at a time. I'm your host, Richard Lane, co-founder and chief commercial officer of Durham Lane. We're a revenue acceleration agency helping enterprise customers create always-on channels of meaningful and well-qualified sales opportunities. Today, I'm thrilled to be joined by Richard Jeffers. Richard is the founder and managing director of RS Industria, who reduce industrial manufacturing costs with a data platform that monitors critical assets in real time. I should also say that Richard's been a customer of Durham Lane, so uh, a friendly face. And we're also doing this in person, which uh, in this uh, day and age is sometimes a rarity. So Richard, great to have you on the show. Thanks for being with us. Really looking forward to the conversation. Good to be here, Richard. Thank you. So in order to get us started, Richard, and to um, help the listeners get a feel for, for the real Richard Jeffers, could you um, just maybe do a, a quick intro and, and share something exciting, interesting about your career to date? So, yeah, my, um, I, you know, I've been a latecomer to the world of sales and marketing. My career up until five years ago had always been on the customer side uh, of things you know, in manufacturing, predominantly within the brewing industry. And, you know, I always tell people that I've, I've run breweries, built breweries, maintained breweries and not breweries down, which uh, pretty much uh, <laughs> covers the, uh, covers the high points, uh, and low points of my career. Uh, you know, once managed to, uh, use the demolition of one of our sites, uh, in a, um, VW Amarok advert. Uh, we've had breweries in, in episodes of Doctor Who. Uh, so yeah, lots of, uh, lots of exciting things in the world of manufacturing. But, um, I, I found myself changing career back in 2017. Uh, and I wanted to use the skills that I learned on the customer side, but in, in a different way. Uh, and that's what brought me into RS Components or RS Group as we are now. Excellent. Well, uh, life as a, not as a brewer, but in, in the brewery. Yes, as an engineer in brewing. So that got, gave me the opportunity to be, uh, uh, you know, rude and supercilious to the brewers all the time. Yeah. <laughs> so you then found your way through RS Group to RS Industria. I guess we would call that a business within a business. Yeah. So, so when I joined RS at the end of 2017, and my portfolio at the time was around building out our technical capabilities and particularly in our solution space that is relevant to engineers. You know, RS is, uh, has got a fantastic amount of warmth as a brand within, um, any maintenance person you speak to. And, and any maintenance person will, will tell you a story of how they had the catalog on their desk when they were yes. either a graduate trainee or an apprentice, depending on which route they came through. But unlike some of our competitors, we, we had a very strong web presence, a very strong e-commerce, and we still do. What we didn't have was some of the real-world services that our competitors had. So, you know, part of my brief was to build out our technical services capability. And then, you know, over the top of that was a, a, a sort of mega trend that was starting to come to life then, which was, you know, the phrase Industry 4. And, and my brief was, you know, what is Industry 4 uh, and how does RS Group make money out of out of that trend? Right. And that led to the development of what has become RS Industria, which, you know, as, as Richard said in the, in the opening part is, is an industrial data solution. Yeah. Okay. And, and, um, yeah, really interesting. We, we work with, as I said at the top of the, of the session, we work with enterprise clients and we, we work with many of them who have got businesses within businesses and sort of become a bit of a speciality for us. So it'd be really interesting to get your, your insight on some of the highs and lows that you experienced through shaping the business. From that moment, you know, someone said, go and explore, investigate this to then RS Industria and 
and how that's then been taken forward. There's been some incredible opportunity for me to learn and, and develop, you know, my own personal skill set. You know, first of all, it was understanding, you know, what are these emerging technologies in industry for? What are things like industrial Internet of Things? Um, you know, 3D printing I explored as well to understand whether that was a business model for us. Yeah. And really trying to get to grips with with not just the tech, but actually the problems that this tech solves. And, and indeed, I I inherited a couple of technology demonstrators when I first started, which were great, but they weren't actually solving any customer problems. They were just tech. Right. So getting into really understanding customer problems and how tech can solve those problems, as opposed to just tech for tech. Oh, sake. interesting. So so some tech had been created that sort of probably seemed cool. And we're showing it to customers, but actually the customers didn't necessarily have the problem that that tech solved. Exactly that, Richard. Or right. indeed, the 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 tech was solving a problem that had already been solved right. using you know using using different tech. Right. So so, yeah, so that that's you know learning about the the technology and the customer problems you know was was very very interesting. And I was introduced quite early on in my journey with RS Industrial into the concept of lean startup. Uh, yeah. And the work done by people like um, Alexander Osterwalder and Steve Blank around business model canvas, um, mm. agile engineering, customer discovery. Yeah. And, and those techniques really, really resonated with me as just being pretty obvious, really, which is why don't you go and talk to people in factories and find out what problems they want solving rather than sitting into an ivory tower and uh, and just thinking about stuff. Yeah. Uh, and there's a phrase from Steve Blank, which I love, which is uh, there's no facts inside the building. Uh, and it's all about getting out there and talking to customers. And that's where you validate assumptions, not not inside your own business. Yeah. So so I think that that learning about the technology, learning about the methodology, uh, and then trying to work out what is a coherent business model that could be applied in that space. And was and was that was that seen to be quite maverick inside of RS Group? Was that a different approach? Was it something that people were challenged by? Yeah, so it was one of my colleagues um, who now looks after our inventory and procurement solutions who who introduced me to it. And and for quite a long time, Paul and myself were sort of the two people banging the drum around customer discovery, agile engineering, business model canvas. You know, now it's become more of a you know more of a language in the business, more of a way of working. But for a long time, it was us you know leading the way. And you know, I remember several meetings where. Uh, Paul and I came back with customer discovery evidence uh, and we were chilling each other. Well, you've asked the wrong customers. You know, uh, <laughs> you know, we were saying we need to stop doing this innovation because it's not solving the problem. And, yeah. you know, the response was, yeah, well, you know, go and ask customers that want to buy it. Um, right. And they'll and then they'll and tell you they want to buy it. Um, and so people not really, really willing to accept the the contra feedback that you got when you got outside the building. So the desire to believe the false positive because yeah. that's just what we do. Right. Uh, and and yeah, you know, you, you know, you're falling in love with your own with your own press rather yes. than, um, uh, you know, rather than focusing on what the customer wants. And so that I can really see that, and I can sort of picture you there, sort of swimming against the tide to some degree in in terms of the the juggernaut that is the business. You're now more established, although I guess still a small part of the business. But how how does being a business within the business change as you add more people into the business and and as you're part of the, the company grows? You know, when we first started moving seriously into industry, um, so this, the first couple of years were spent just, you know, exploring a number of different concepts, you know, looking where in the world of, of industrial IoT did we think there was a, a right for us to play. And when we started building out 
what has become industrious seriously at the end of 2019, just in time for there to be a global pandemic, yeah. uh, in, in fact. <laughs> right. um, and actually, as part of the pandemic, um, we were freed up, or I was freed up, to sit outside of, of the normal ways of working and to move out of the of the core business and, and had the freedom to you know explore unconstrained by a lot of our existing ways of working. Clearly, there was a bunch of corporate governance that I clearly had to yes. comply with. But but actually, in terms of our ways of approaching customers, sales, technology, marketing techniques, you know, I had the freedom to, to do things differently. And, and that was absolutely essential at that point in time to try a bunch of stuff really quickly and find the stuff that, that worked for us and added value for us. You know, we're now a bit more mature. We're now looking to, to scale now. We've, you know, we've got our 25 initial customers. We've got, you know, value statements and customers so we can, you know, explain what we can deliver. Now we've got to, um, you know, reverse integrate ourselves back into the core business now and really lose right. the power of the core. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's, you know, that's probably today's challenge now is going, how do you, how do we move ourselves back into the business and stop being a bunch of crazy mavericks and start yeah. being seen as part of the machine? Yeah, absolutely. Well, and, and that leads me on to sort of the next strand of conversation, I think, which is about brand. Yeah. And as you said earlier, the RS brand is strong within the world that it exists. I guess first question, was it a help or a hindrance having the brand? And then second part of that is how does it help you move to the next level? So back, back end of 2020, when we started this, you know, freedom to explore, my, myself and my then marketing lead, we did a whole bunch of customer discovery activity specifically focused around, you know, should we leverage RS dot, 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 or, or should we be, you know, something else that, that was yeah. not, that was clearly not to do with RS. And what came across really strongly with, with all the customers we spoke to was that positive vibe around the RS brand. And that's why I know what story everybody's going to tell you about their catalog because everybody yes. told me the story about their catalog. And, and, you know, it was really clear at the back end of that piece of work that actually there was, there was a huge benefit to being RS something. Yeah. Um, as opposed to just being, you know, unbranded. So that was when we became RS industria as opposed to, you know, just industria. So the positives is you're leveraging off the, um, positive sentiments around the, the core brand. You know, negative is probably the wrong, wrong word, but some of the things to be cognizant around is, is therefore you are part of a core brand. So you can't then do anything that's going to, you know, drag away from the, from the core brand messaging. And, and you need to make sure that, you know, you are reinforcing that positive sentiment and not, not in any way detracting from it. Yeah. It's interesting. We, we, uh, you know, the, the killer question we are always posed with is what am I going to get? Yeah. What, what SQLs, what sales qualified leads are you going to create for me? And, yeah. and part of my sort of, I guess, stock answer is, no project is ever the same because, and I and I link this back to brand, which is, you know, if we we're representing a fintech startup with an amazing solution, um, the chance of getting us in front of getting them in front of CFOs versus Deloitte is is massively reduced. Yeah, they might have a much better solution, but because they don't have the brand recognition, then it's much harder. Yeah. So I, I guess from from your experience, going out and doing all of that validation with RS at the front with the logo will have made it easier to get through the door. And then you get the, at least the opportunity to do your discovery and diagnosis and you know, and, and listen to the customer. Yeah, exactly that. You know, we, we get we get in the door in a way that a VC back startup would would never uh, yeah. would never get in there. Uh, and we're able to 
get get into different stakeholders in a way that a, a, a VC backed startup could never get in there. Do you think you've been able to leverage the relationships within the group successfully? Because I would have thought that with some of RS Group's major customers, there's an opportunity to get into those companies via relationships. But yeah, how's that I, I think, you know, in, in some cases, yes. In some cases, no, Richard. You know, we, we as a as a broader organisation are, you know, still moving towards being a solutions-led business. Yeah. Um, uh, we, we have two business models in the UK. We have an integrated supply business model where we have a you know, very deep strategic relationship with the customer. Then it's been quite easy to get to the top table in, in one move. Yeah. Um, with with the more traditional distribution business we've got, um, you know, we are still you know very broad but quite shallow in a lot of our customers. Um, right. And and then you know in some cases the core business has, has been able to leverage getting industry into the conversation, and in some cases we we've been able to you know reverse that and, and industry is leverage getting the core business you know in there. Did you put any commission plans or any? Uh, accelerators or anything like that in in place to facilitate introductions to industrial because often I, I in my previous corporate experience I found that there's a reticence to introduce anything new because it's unknown yeah um, was that something that you challenged at all or so, so I think you know it has been challenging getting you know that engagement with a core business um, you know we we've got you know, an, an enormous number of customer facing people in the, in the UK business. And, and if, you know, over a hundred, and if I was to try and engage with all of those, you know, we'd just spread ourselves too, yeah, thin, too yeah. thinly. So, so, you know, it's all about focus. And so we've had, uh, you know, great engagement with the, um, integrated supply business unit. Um, yeah. talk regularly with their senior leadership team and with the senior customer leadership team. We have good engagement with our corporate sales team, which is, uh, you know, a smaller and more focused team looking at you know larger multi-site accounts with our broad-based sales team you know it, it has been more of a challenge you know there's more of them uh, and they tend to be the ones operating lower down with the customer and, yeah. and therefore it's quite tactical where we've got someone in that team where where we built the trust and they'll bring us in but yeah we're not killing ourselves trying to get them all to to bring us into those yeah you, you have to pick your battles don't yeah, you and exactly. you know actually the way New solutions typically spread within sales teams is by it working for someone. Yeah. And then others see it working and think, oh, I'll have a piece of that and and get involved. So, yeah, yeah. And it's got to be built on, you know, relationships. It's like, you know, the cotter change model applies in so many different ways. You know, yes. it is about building that guiding team. It is about getting those those small wins and, uh, uh, and then building the momentum. Yes, absolutely. Okay, really interesting. So you've got a, a brand within a brand. There's... A huge amount of value from out of the gate that the brand brought you, but then I guess on the other side there is compliance and corporate governance, which does lead me to the question I have to ask, which is, do you feel it slowed you down in terms of some of that governance? Because if you were a VC-backed you know startup, then yeah. you probably wouldn't have quite as you'd have some, but you wouldn't probably have as much. So has the you know has the has the seesaw balanced out appropriately? I remember somebody saying to me about two years ago when I described ourselves as a startup inside a PLC, they went, ah, so you've got no money and you're rubbish at making decisions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, it's difficult to say exactly, you know, have we moved slowly or have we moved quickly? You know, a lot of the VC-backed startups I speak to actually think we've moved at a pretty decent pace. You know, we're three and a half years into our existence from, you know, no code at all. Yeah. Uh, you know, we're, we're coming up to two years in the market. 
Uh, and, you know, we've got 25 customers and several hundred thousand pounds of recurring revenue. But if I talk to people inside the core business, it, it's, well, you've been at this for three years and you've <laughs> only got uh, yeah. you know, 25 customers. And yeah. so I think, you know, I, I'm not sure that, you know, I'm not sure we could have moved any, you know, that much faster because we were given the freedom back in 2020, 2021 to, to exist outside of the, of the core. And a lot of the decisions about when we moved and when we launched, we're, we're down to, to me to make. Yeah. Well, one of the great accelerators that I had was actually the support of the CTO in the business who, okay. who said, have your own tech team, because if you give it to me, I'll just use it on something else. Right, absolutely. Um, so actually, yeah. the, the CTO giving us the permission to have our own tech team was the biggest thing that relieved us from constraint in terms of developing the product. You know, from the commercial team, you know, allowing us to play in the UK market without having to go and constantly go back to the UKMD for permission, you know, allowed us to move move there as well. So yeah. the way we've approached it, probably the positives and the negatives of balancing each other out in a lot of ways in terms of the, the speeding up and the slowing down. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, just as a, you know, as, as someone with a, a view into it, it feels like you've moved pretty fast. And, and I think that's with the support of the brand and also despite of the, the corporate nature of the, of the business, I guess. So, um, yeah, it feels like it's been a, a good, a good partnership or relationship in that way. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think, you know, there was one when we first launched at a trade event back in, um, when we first commercially launched at a trade show back in November 21, you know, I had lots and lots of people telling me that I couldn't do a trade show because I'd not done all the things I had to do to do a trade show. <laughs> fill, um, out all, fill out all the forms. Yeah. And, and, and I, you know, if I'm honest, I just ignored them and we, uh, we, we decided we wouldn't have a stand because we weren't allowed to have a stand. What we'd do is have a coffee bar. Yeah. Um, so we, we just, you know, we joked at the time it was the non-stand stand. Yeah. Uh, you know, that, that was a very clear signal to actually my team and the business that, you know, we're now launching commercially. We did get some customers out of it, but the key thing was actually just the line of the stand that we yeah. got out of, of being yeah. there. Ah, interesting. Very good. It's nice classic startup behavior. Break the rules. Um, so third, third and final topic that we've agreed to focus on, Richard, is, is around, I guess, this sort of shift in in thinking and behaviour, because RS is typically seen as a quite a traditional company, as you've talked about before. Industry is really focused on leading edge IoT in itself, sort of uh, you know a, a new and, a, and and growing area and and uh, one where there's still lots of exploration and, and understanding to do. And and you've mentioned this already, but there's a need to sell a solution rather than selling a product yeah how did that work within or was that an extra differentiator for you in terms of your new brand within the company you know i'm you know i've come to sales and marketing you know in the last five years as i said but you know even i get the fact that you know if you're saying do you want to buy some spare parts in your machinery where the customer's machine is broken and needs to buy some spare parts that's you know you're really just competing on on price and service you know at that point in time you know, once you start moving into selling solutions, you're actually trying to get into, you know, what is the underlying need that you're trying to, uh, you know, you're trying to meet? What's the KPI of your customers that you're going to impact? And, and that's been, you know, a change that RS is driving across the whole business, yeah. you know, not just within my areas. You know, we started out in, in some of our procurement solutions and inventory solutions and industry is the most advanced of, the, of those solutions. And you know, it is a completely different way of selling. It's a completely different conversation that you're having because you've got to understand what are the challenges that that customer faces on a daily basis? What are the, what is, what is it they're being, you know, marked upon and measured upon? And, and how can your service solution help them achieve their goals? 
and and also inevitably you're then starting to move out from one budget line yes you know if you're if you're selling spare parts to a maintenance manager that's what his maintenance budget is for is yes. by, by that whereas if you're trying to sell a solution to reduce energy consumption then actually the person who's coughing up the cash might not be the person who's seeing the benefit in terms of their budget line so you've got the complexity of, of really understanding the customer's KPIs and, and really understanding the interplay between budget lines and the customer about how, how you can tap into those different budgets and, and who is the real decision maker who is the one who's yes. actually empowered to make the decision again if you're maintenance manager buying spare parts you're empowered to make that decision whereas if you're looking to buy an IT solution you know who who is the decision maker yes and you know one thing I think we've always tr- strived to do at Durham Lane is take that complex solution sale mindset and bring it into the world of uh of lead generation. Yeah. You know, compelling event is a key piece. And I always think what's the outside force that's driving someone to do something different? And they might not even know the answer yet, but your job is to be asking the questions that help them start thinking, I wonder if, yeah, yeah. how could we do this? And then it becomes about timing. And like you say, you've got all of the, the different budget lines and influencers and, you know, lots of research now saying the the buying circle is just getting ever, ever bigger. Yeah. So solution oriented deals typically just take longer. Yeah. Um, and I guess that's something that your business is having to come to terms with about industry. Yeah, uh, you know, I would love it if our sales cycle was measured in days and weeks. Uh, you know, sadly it's not. It's measured in weeks and months, potentially, you know, months and years. So there's been so many times where we think we've just got we think we've got it to the to the last minute and then, you know, something happens and the yeah. customer goes quiet and you why have you gone quiet? Could yes. you, you know, could at least tell me why you've gone quiet? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I I was thinking this morning, I don't know why, and I thought, should I put this on LinkedIn? But you know, silence is not is not golden. Yeah. <laughs> not in the world of a salesperson generally, but you want to know, don't you? So yeah, you know, even if there's no change then just let me know there's no change and when do you think there might be yeah yeah and if yeah. you know and if if you're not interested could you tell me you're not interested yes. um <laughs> so you know they see yeah some of the common courtesies that you'd like to think that you exhibit to other people yes you know you you don't get you know yes. when you're in a sales process yeah absolutely great okay well really interesting thanks richard on the insiders we, we like to focus around actual insight and today's conversation has been really interesting for listeners around you know that sort of startup mentality and how to think differently but but is there you know what one thing could you share with our audience that they can take away in action immediately and, and our audience predominantly being sales and, and marketing professionals uh, I mean you know statement of the bleeding obvious the more you understand about the customers jobs pains and gains, yeah. And the more you let them talk about those jobs, pains and gains, the more successful you're going to be at finding out whether your solution is going to be the right thing. Yeah. Um, you know, my, my sales leader who, you know, who joined me as an experienced sales professional, um, you know, two years ago, you know, about our first customer engagement, he was like, I'm the sales professional. I'll, t- you know, I'll do the talk to the customers. And it's like, yeah, okay, then you crack on, mate. Um, <laughs> and at the end of that half hour, he went, I'll tell you what, Richard, next time you can do that, because I had no idea what the customer was talking about. Right, um, right. And, and so, you know, you've got to, you've got to, you know, have an intimate understanding of the customer's jobs, pains and gains. Yeah. Uh, make sure that your solution is addressing those and not just turning up and talking about stuff. Yeah, it seems so obvious to me, but, you know, our Durham Lane Mantra 3, be interested to be interesting. That for me has always felt well, of course I would. Of yeah, course yeah. I need to listen and understand, but I guess the path of least resistance is just to blah. 
Yeah. We, we, we use a piece of call recording software with a bunch of analytics behind it. Yeah, it, It's led to some quite entertaining conversations internally because it, you know, it, it scores you and tells you how much time you spent speaking. Yes. Uh, and and how much how much you paused and waited for the customer to speak, and you look at your own stats and go, God, I'm I'm rubbish. Um, <laughs> and and, uh, and you know, so we have you know a bit of fun amongst ourselves about us all trying to get our stats better. Yes. Uh, in terms of speak less, listen more, and leave time. You know, use silence to get the customer to talk. Very good. Excellent. Another another section we we've uh, created for season two of the Insiders is, is around. Ask the experts. So we've got a question in from Yasmin. What are the biggest strategic alignment issues that act as blockers to shortening complex sales cycles? I think in you know in many cases the person you're talking to doesn't actually understand their own business's strategic objectives. Right. And we talk a lot about energy. You know, if you can't measure your energy consumption, then you can't reduce it. You know, if I'm honest, I thought that was going to be a complete slam dunk, yes. which is, you know, have you got a problem with energy price increase, which I, by the way, I know you do. And, you know, is your CFO worried about it, which I can pretty much guarantee, you know, he is. If you get no's for those, then that would be a strange situation. But, but actually, you do get it's not a priority for us or you get ah uh, you know well that's not my budget so i don't you know yeah. i don't i don't care you know something for me that is so compelling of spend less money on energy because energy prices are going up doesn't actually translate into activity inside the factory and there's a you know trying to sell a solution there if you're thinking well I, you know is it my job to get alignment you know with your corporate goals and indeed sometimes yes it is yes. you know because you want to get the purchase order you have got to get them aligned to the corporate goals yes thinking beyond the lines maybe is yeah. the uh, the mantra there excellent well look richard's been uh, been great talking about the journey of of RS Industria, you know, to where it is today as part of RS Group. The last question is often seen as the hardest question, which hopefully you've had some time to think about. But this is the building of the Insiders Spotify playlist. So, have you managed to uh, pick a song that you would like us to add onto this eclectic playlist? Yes, I have, Richard. And um, my kids are in, in their teens now. And I remember, you know, a few years ago when Trolls came out. Right, um, yeah. And, uh, you know, what, one of my heroines, you know, in life is definitely Princess Poppy from from the Trolls. <laughs> yeah. uh, and, you know, her song, you know, Get Back Up Again. You know, she doesn't let the fact that what she's trying to do is clearly impossible get in the way of her getting out there and, uh, you know, rescuing all her friends from the um, from the bad guys. So, awesome. Uh, yeah, Get Back so, Up Again. So as Poppy. Uh, so uh, excellent, uh, and as a as a startup business within a business, um, maybe that's your mindset on yes. a daily basis. It has got to be get back up again. That's brilliant. It's Thanks. either that or top thumping by Tamarinda, <laughs> uh, which has the same underlying message. Yeah, absolutely brilliant. Excellent. Well, we'll get that added. Um, uh, <laughs> you're not named against it. Don't worry. So uh, that'll be fine. Look, it's been really great having you in, and um, lovely to do it in person. But always good to see you. So. Thank you for uh, for sharing your wisdom with us and sharing your journey. Really appreciate it. Excellent. Thanks so much, Richard. Great. Well, look, thanks for tuning into The Insiders. Please subscribe on your preferred podcasting site to ensure you are notified of all new episodes as and when they're published. And if you would like to learn more about Durham Lane and our unique method of selling at high level, visit durhamlane.com for more information. Until next time, see you then. The Insiders by Durham Lane. Subscribe today to never miss an episode.